The Annex Wealth Management Show is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Custom-tailored investment and retirement planning from a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. Good morning. Welcome to the show. I'll tell you this, our estate planning team at Annex Wealth Management, busy for a reason. Our clients need the best in all aspects of estate planning, and we think it's just one piece of a comprehensive, holistic financial plan. So stick around. We're going to cover executors today. We're an open book at Annex Wealth Management. We're happy to share expertise with anybody, and that's what Ask Annex is for. Stick around for that. If you got a question for us, you can uh, send one via our website at AnnexWealth.com and look for that Ask button. We get back to everybody in and if we have your permission, we make it part of the radio show. Joining us this morning, members of our executive team and our investment committee, let's meet them. Chief Compliance Officer Mark Oswald, good morning. Good morning, guys. Chief Investment Officer Derek Felsky, good, good to have mo- you. Good morning, Danny. And President and CEO of Annex Wealth Management, Dave Spano. Good morning, Danny. How are you this morning? Good. Uh, quite a jobs number. Let's start there because that landed on Friday morning. It sure did. And you think about where we are with the market. With just 16 trading days left in the year, the S&P 500 is up more more than 27%. And of course, we did get more good news on Friday morning. The, the jobs report hit and several hundred points uh, were added to the Dow Jones. And Derek, you know, there really was a good report and probably better than even we expected. No, it was. Uh, 266,000 jobs were added in November. The jobless rate fell back to its lows of 3.5%, a 50-year low. Uh, manufacturers, which has been a, a weak sector recently, added 54,000 jobs, partly due to the fact that General Motors uh, were Workers who were on strike in October came back to the workforce. And, and essentially, this is occurring in a period where inflation remains low and wage growth remains pretty positive at 3.1%, which was also better than expected. Yeah, really great news. And Mark, you talk about this rally and this rally where we are this year versus where we were last year at this time. If everyone recalls, the fourth quarter at this time was down nearly 20%. Uh, in 2018. We've had a phenomenal rally. And part of that is what the Fed has done in low interest rates as well. For sure. When you start thinking about where we were at and what the Fed was doing in the fourth quarter of 2018, they were tightening, right? They were raising interest rates. And the dot plot, what the projection was for interest rates in 2019 and 2020 was that they were going to continue to go up. And, you know, there's been quite the pivot this year from there. We've had three rate cuts in 2019. And it, you know, should stay pretty steady from there, from what we're hearing from the Fed, Derek. And so if if the rates are going to stay steady and you have unemployment, as you pointed out, and you have low inflation, as you pointed out, that should be good for the markets. It's it's essentially a Goldilocks economy, not too hot, not too cold, just about right. And that's a very good environment to invest in risk assets or dividend-paying stocks where you get a better yield than, you, than the bond market offers and the potential for capital appreciation and valuations that are really relatively attractive compared to prior market tops. And so if, as we go into the end of the year, uh, December 15th is looming, and as the market really looks good, you know, December 15th is an important date in the, with the relationship with China. It does give the president a little bit of leverage uh, with the strong economy. It, it certainly does. I mean, he's talked often about the stock market and, and the fact that that's kind of a measuring stick in his mind for their policies of deregulation, uh, lower corporate taxes and the like. And, we, you know, we could see, you know, a rollback of tariffs. That's what the market is hoping for. We don't want to see the imposition of those tariffs 
tariffs that are due to take effect on December 15th, because that would actually bite consumers. This is on consumer products that we all love, like smartphones, PCs, and the like. And certainly the president doesn't want to spoil Christmas for anyone, but he certainly does have more leverage with which to negotiate with China, because the Chinese economy, to, to the opposite side, has actually been weakening over, over the last several months, although recently it's upticked somewhat. You know, you would look where we are for the rest of the, for this week, uh, this past week. It has been a, a good number, and part of that has been the volatility, right? We went down and we went up, and it's shocking. You know, more than 30 years I've been doing this, and we have to react to tweeting, and does that change where we're yeah. at? And again, tweeting doesn't change policy, but it certainly is changing daily valuations, Mark. It certainly does, and people start to, you know, invest what they're hearing, the headline news, and I think that that's where you get away from the fundamentals, and that can be one of the traps for investors, is to get away from the, the core news, the unemployment news, the inflation news, what's going on with trade, what's going on with the dollar. Those are important fundamentals that we look at in our investment committee. You can stay away from the headlines sometimes because that drives the emotion. A Barron's top advisor, a member of the Financial Times Top 300, and a fee-only fiduciary partner. If you're looking for a partner, head to AnnexWealth.com, click that Get Started button. Still to come, our state planning team sees a lot of plans and fixes many of them. What are the steps to make sure you've got the right executor? That's next on the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. This is Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management, where we ask you to know the difference. The Wall Street Journal has published a list of questions to ask your financial advisor. The very first one is, are you a fiduciary and are you willing to put that in writing? We've been asking people listening to our show to do that for years. That's just one of the ways to know the difference between financial advisors. People come to us every day with what I call a mishmash. Statements here and there, overlapping investments, no consolidation. Annex Wealth Management can clean that up and put it in order. Our team of investment, tax, and estate planners will work to make sure your plan is clear and coordinated. If this makes sense to you, or if you want a second opinion on your investments and retirement planning, go to AnnexWealth.com. You can learn more there, or simply hit the Get Started button and start the process. AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference. I'm Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management. I hope we see you soon. Many children in Southwest Florida face an uncertain future with their health, but Nicholas Children's Hospital Foundation is here to help. Through special individuals just like you, the Nicholas Children's Hospital Foundation's mission is fulfilled, fighting along with the children of this community on their journey to wellness through medical research and innovation, bringing hope and healing, especially to those children with very complex health issues. But we really need your help. You can create health and happiness in the life of a child. By creating a special gift within your life insurance, estate plan, or even your current retirement plan, Southwest Florida has a rich tradition of philanthropy for children. And now, Nicholas Children's Hospital Foundation is here to expand that legacy. For information, please call 239-263-2223. That's 239-263-2223. Nicholas Children's Hospital Foundation, a tradition of giving, now in Southwest Florida. Will you be a part of something special today? Custom-tailored investment and retirement planning from a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. 
No, the difference, it's Team Tech Trust. This is a team segment. Should your brother-in-law, Bob, be your executor? Jill Martin, estate planning attorney at Annex, heads our estate planning team. She joins us to talk about this. Hey, Jill. Hey, Danny. How are you? Not bad. So estate planning, as you know, that's what you do. It's it can my be, favorite topic. It can be complex. It's got to be done correctly to avoid a ton of trouble and hurt feelings and potential deeper legal issues long after a loved one has passed. And and we need to point out that the loved one wouldn't want this, right? I, I bet you see this all the time when, well, when you're kind of going through the wreckage. Absolutely. I mean, I don't think anyone puts together an estate plan with the hope that it breaks up the family. That's usually an unintended consequence, either of bad planning or bad communication. And what we always want to do is try and avoid that with good planning. If you listen to our shows regularly, you'll hear the word fiduciary. A fiduciary is somebody who operates in the best interest of a client, or in the case of an estate, best interest of the estate and that person's wishes. But things can go sideways pretty quickly. It's not as easy as selecting the surviving spouse or the or the kids or something like that. It's a little bit more complex, and there's family dynamics you got to consider. It has to be done, right, prior to the estate plan being activated when somebody passes? Absolutely. So one One of the things that, as I meet with clients, we tend to all focus on what do I want to have happen with my assets after I pass away? Or even who do I want to have in charge of them while I'm alive, but I can't act anymore, right? It's very rare that we focus on who is the appropriate person to manage all my stuff and to take care of my finances and follow my wishes. It's often an underthought of part of the estate plan, and it can honestly be the most critical because if you end up with a person in there who doesn't follow your wishes and does what they want to do, guess what? The whole family's going to be upset, whether it's someone that's in the family or outside the family. If they even find out. If they even find out. There are horror stories out there where some unscrupulous person gets themselves weaved into the family that suddenly takes over control and starts spending money and nobody has nobody knows about it and all of a sudden then the money's gone. Right. Right. That's right. A, that's a horror story, which we don't see as often. So I don't want to panic people, but it does happen. It happens. Because because we're human beings and you know human beings are like that. Let's go through the roles that we encounter in estate planning. We'll just do a brief explanation. The first is that POA, power of attorney. That's pretty simple. Well it, it's simple, but there's two different ones, right? So there's a financial power of attorney. So that's someone who's gonna step in and manage your finances when you're no longer able to physically or mentally or you no longer want to if you just get to a point where you have an age you're at an age and you're like i don't want to deal with paying my bills anymore i want my son to do it that's a power of attorney that's the way we did it with my dad when my dad was declining i became the financial power of attorney and then my sister was the health care power of attorney she's a nurse it made sense yeah and so health care again that's the second component is is you're naming someone to step in and make your health care decisions when you no longer have capacity to do it yourself so that one it's, it's important when you're picking those two people, if you have a family member who's an accountant or somebody that's really good with money, that's the person that you may be kind of leaning towards to deal with your finances. And to your point, like your sister, if you've got someone in the healthcare field, maybe that's a better person to deal with the medical side. Well, she could speak to doctors. She could talk to caregivers. She understood where I did not. Absolutely. And and so often I hear the waterfall effect, right? Well, we name the oldest, then the middle child, right. and then the youngest. And that's not really thinking about what are their skill sets and are they going to be capable. And one thing, Jill, I did not know is that power of attorney, my financial power of attorney, ended when my dad passed. That got me. That does get a lot of people. And so what happens is you are delegated authority to act on behalf of the person who gave you that 
who granted you that power of attorney, basically, right? So typical agency relationship, when that person dies, so does the power they granted. They can't transact after they've died, which means you as a power of attorney can't either. So what I was not was the next step, which is the personal representative or the executor, correct? Correct. And so depending on the state that you're in, it may be called an executor or a personal representative. And what that person is, is that's the person named in someone's will that is going to be tasked with settling their final affairs. And if there is no will, it's still going to be that same role, but it's going to be through a probate proceeding where the court appoints someone who's an interested party to be that person. But then you got to go to the court. you got to go through all that, right? You have to go through that regardless. So if you have a will or not, a will is going to get you into probate. That's one of the big misconceptions we see in estate planning. A will does not avoid probate. And then we have trustee. Right. So a lot of times a trustee is going to be someone who maybe acts parallel or has a similar function and responsibility as that executor to settle your final affairs. So they're going to be the ones that are tasked with figuring out what all your assets are, figuring out what to do with them, paying your final debts and expenses, and then distributing the assets according to the wishes in your estate plan. And that's the biggest piece, right? It's a big job. It is. It's a big job, but you want someone that's basically going to follow your estate plan and do exactly what you want to have happen and not go rogue and do whatever they want to do with it. And we're kind of bearing the lead, but maybe we don't want brother-in-law Bob in there, right? Right. And and so that's why picking that person is so critical. And what people don't know a lot of times is, is it doesn't have to be a family member, right? Sometimes we default to family because that's easy. But other times there are independent trustees, attorneys, CPAs, corporate organizations, banks, financial institutions that will serve in that role. And that's one of the things, if you're trying to save the family harmony, you may want that independent person who is not going to be biased or subject to kind of pulling on the heartstrings by the woe is me family member. So you got the roles. Let's talk about the process. Does the good estate planning process need everybody in the room so there's a clear understanding? I mean, do you need spouses, children? Um, do you need everybody in? Well, generally what I tell people is, is the first step is that they need to be pretty confident with where they're at in their estate plan. So the initial planning stages, that's just the client. So that's just husband and wife, mom doing whatever. That's up to them because it's their wishes that they want to have impacted. So that's the first kind of step with the attorney. Once the documents are done and in place, then it's important to communicate it to the family members and say, this is what I did and why and why I named so-and-so instead of so-and-so to make sure that everyone understands what's going to happen and there's no hurt feelings or unexpected things that are going to arise. So it's not that movie scene where they're reading the will and people are surprised or not surprised? No, no. it's not. That can happen, but if there's good family communication, we can avoid that. But get out in front of it no matter what. Absolutely get out in front of it. The worst meeting I was ever in when I was serving in that executor role was where the family didn't see any of this coming and all of a sudden mom had a lot of wealth decided she was going to leave 90% of it to charity, much to the chagrin of all three kids sitting at the table, right? They looked at that and said, wait a minute, mom was worth $10 million and you're telling me I'm going to get 500000 What happened? Mom didn't communicate. She just, this is my estate plan and that's the end of it. So it was a surprise to those children. 
Should have called on her birthday a little more. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Maybe. Get out in front of it. Joe Martin, estate planning attorney, Annex Wealth Management. That's what she does. That's what we do for you. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Losing sleep lately? The job, the house, the kids, or investments? How about the feeling your investment partner isn't a partner at all? They might be operating in someone's best interest, but that someone isn't you. It's time for Annex Wealth Management. It's easy and there's no obligation. Head to AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. How about some peace of mind with the sound recommendations from the Annex team. We work in your best interest as a fiduciary. That commitment runs so deep, we'll put it in writing. Does your advisor do that? Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management. Start at AnnexWealth.com. Planning and investment insight from a fee-only fiduciary, and we put that in writing. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. And we're back. It's time for Ask Annex. If you got a question, send it to us at AnnexWealth.com. Look for the Ask button. We get to all of them, and some of them wind up on the air. Again, that's AnnexWealth.com. Look for the Ask button. Our first is from Wyatt. The S&P is overbought and at all-time highs. How timely is it to add to long positions? So, Derek, could you kind of break that down? First off, define what overbought is. Well, overbought is essentially a measure of where stock prices are over a shorter period of time relative to, say, a moving average. Like, how many standard deviations is the price of the S&P 500 above its 50-day moving average? And I would, while I would certainly agree that by that measure it's overbought, the fact of the matter is overbought markets tend to perform very well when you look at three to six months. The reason being that there's aggressive buying, and the aggressive buying is occurring because people, investors, believe that next year earnings growth is going to reaccelerate. We'll have some certainty on trade. Uh, interest rates remain very low, so when you look at equities relative to, say, fixed income, particularly treasury bonds, uh, dividend-paying stocks like, for example, an AT&T or a Qualcomm look really attractive because they offer twice the yield with potential potential capital appreciation. So what we tend to do at our firm when we think the S&P is overbought is if we have a new client who comes in and they're sitting on a lot of cash, we'll probably DCA that account over a period of time, taking advantage of market pullbacks when and if they occur. They don't necessarily occur immediately. Oftentimes, this is just a consolidation period, but it's not something to be too alarmed with. And frankly, an overbought market is your best friend. Before we get too far away from this question, let's talk about that because overbought is one data point. Right. I mean, and I think that you have to draw a distinction between overbought and overvalued because I think people I don't want people walking away going, oh, those guys said we were overbought. Therefore, the market's going to go down. There's a difference between overbought, which is a technical indicator and overvalued. That's absolutely right. Next on Ask Annex is from Paul. The U.S. economic data is now weakening. Should I care? Is that true? Well, it, it has weakened somewhat. As I mentioned, there was a lot of inventory pulling in Q3 GDP, so that you would suggest that would lead to potential weakness in Q4. Atlanta Fed looking at 0.5, which is a weaker reading than we saw in Q3. But the key thing we look at is when we talk to companies and hear them or do their earnings reports, as we did throughout uh, the recent earnings season, it's about guidance for next year. And most companies are looking for an uptick in earnings into next year. We had very tough comparisons this year. The economy does have an impact in the short run. But generally speaking, you know, with the U.S. consumer feeling good, consumer confidence at high levels, we ought to see a good Christmas season. And as long as firings don't pick up, the stock market doesn't crash, and home prices remain on on a firm footing, the wealth effect, I think, will positively affect consumers, which is the most important factor when we're considering forward growth. Ask Annex. If you got a question for us, head to AnnexWealth.com. Look for that Ask button. Our next one is from Paula. 
Should I get a reverse mortgage if I'm looking to retire in the next couple of years? So I've got CNBC on in my office eight or nine hours a day. And for the longest time, I saw Tom Selleck more than when yeah. he was on Magnum PI. So he's kind of the spokesperson for at least one of those companies. Well, it's always interesting to see who advertises during the day because they know the market of the people <laughs> yeah. that are watching TV at that time of day. But, you know, reverse mortgages is something we haven't talked about on the air for a couple of years because, you know, there was a time where, you know, that was the, the bucket of last resort because for people that were going to borrow basically equity out of their home, you know, you had to have exhausted everything else before you did that. And they're, they were costly. You know, they've taken some of the cost structure out of it. But when we see them in our financial planning, day-to-day uh, -day financial planning, where we see people oftentimes who've got to the point of desperation. And they've gotten to the point where those houses are being taken away from them. Personal experience, quite frankly, is the house we just purchased was a, was a, a guy who was on a reverse mortgage and he simply ran out of equity. Mm. He had to cash out of the house. And unfortunately, those things do happen to people. So I always have looked at it personally as a bucket of last resort. It's not something to start as your first investment in a retirement. So, Paula, I guess our answer is get a financial plan, have us comb through it, see if there is a different way for sure. That's a good summation. Right. And you can do that at AnnexWealth.com and click that Get Started button. We would be very happy to look things over. Got about a minute to go, and this will be for Bill's question on Ask Annex. How do I go about starting to invest an inheritance that I received? Well, number one, congratulations. congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I really think that's a function of Bill's specific situation. You know, how old is he? You know, what kind of, you know, what is the nature of the money? How did it come over? Did it come over in stocks and bonds or did it come over in, as cash? Uh, and generally what we do is we build what we call balanced portfolios. You know, we assess his risk tolerance. We take a look at a, the appropriate mix of assets, whether it's stocks, bonds, international equities and the like. Like, and invest it subject to his risk tolerance and his goals over the long haul. You start to get these windfall questions. You know, I got this big sum of money, whether it's a hundred grand or a million dollars, you know, or even more than that. And you think about, well, I can't screw this up, right? I can't blow it at this point in time. So getting with a fiduciary financial advisor, one of the things that we might recommend is to take baby steps when you have a market at an all-time high is maybe you don't go all in on day one is you be really tactical, dollar cost average into that market and start to take, you know, an assessment of your risk and then move slowly into the market over time. Cut through the clutter with Axiom, the weekly newsletter from Annex Wealth Management. Subscribe today for seven insights built and delivered to you every Sunday. It'll help you navigate the markets and the things that affect your money. The Axiom. Sign up at AnnexWealth.com. Team. Tech. Trust. Straight talk from a fee-only fiduciary. It's time to know the difference. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. And we're back. Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. I'm Danny Clayton. Mark Oswald is here. Derek Felsky and Dave Spano. Yes, sir. You know, uh, in beautiful Naples, Florida, and you think about where we are today as we head into the end of 2019, you think about the end of a decade. And, you know, the last decade, 2000 to 2009, was often called the lost decade because effectively the Dow started at 10,000 and ended at 10,000. And look at where we are today, uh, nearly 28. 8,000 on the Dow Jones mark, and there's so much to, to reminisce about. Well, there certainly is. You think back to 2009 and where the markets were, you, you, you know, the financial crisis of 2008, the recovery, the start of the recovery in March of 2009, and then the 10, 11 years forward, Derek, of a, of a positive market. And it's been that slow kind of measured growth, you know, moderate GDP, stock market moving up. But over time, guys, those people that have stuck with their financial plan have really been rewarded this decade. Yeah, and it, and it 
it shows you the importance of some of our institutions. The Fed obviously did a did a great job of navigating the crisis. Uh, we saw you know changes in corporate tax policy, uh, deregulation of many sectors of the economy, all of which have fueled uh, growth in the United States. It has trumped the, the sort of growth we've seen in countries like Japan or the eurozone and the rest. And that's primarily due to the ingenuity of of consumers and 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 corporations pursuing innovation in areas like technology and the like. I mean, think of what the market caps of companies like Facebook, Google, Microsoft, and Amazon have done in the last decade. And these are companies that are, you know, transient above uh, general economic cyclicality. That is, that is so true. And I, I, for one, Derek, am very optimistic about what is coming in the 2020s. I know, you know, listen, I, I started in this business in the 1980s, and it has gotten better. And you talk about policy. And again, it doesn't matter, does not matter your political bents, but policy, fiscal policy, trade policy, monetary policy, all of those have come into play. There's no question about that. But as we look forward and you talk about technology, Derek, you know, the things that are going to change, electric cars are probably going to be at the top of that list and the changes that that's going to make on how we insure, how we drive, uh, everything, Mark. Well, certainly, and you think about all the technology that's happened in the last 10 years. We just got the iPhone, you know, starting about 12 years ago, and you think now what you might laugh about 10 years from now about the way that we used to do things. We were talking in our in our committees about the way that we transact business right now and starting to think about going forward in a 5G universe, what's that going to look like? What does that do for medical devices? What does it do for autonomous cars? So you didn't think about investing in this environment and all the opportunities that may still be out there for people who are engaged in being in financial planning and, and building a portfolio that takes advantage of that technology. So in the last two minutes, as we uh, as we end up the show here today, you know what people need to do is a, is take a look at their equity allocation because as when you get a rally like this, Mark, sometimes your 60, 40, 70, 30, whatever your asset allocation is, may have gotten out of whack. Exactly, and that's a great point. Dave, because for a lot of people are going to really celebrate this, you know, 25% increase in the S&P this year. The bond markets have done very well. But you need to look back now and say, what is, what's my true risk tolerance? Because we don't know what 2020 is going to bring. Volatility and election. You want to get back to the to the core of your portfolio. To your point, Dave, again, if you're 60-40 or 70-30 and you're out of whack right now, it would be a great opportunity to do two things. Is do that portfolio review. If you've never done that, it's a great exercise. It'll give you some peace of mind that you are where you need to be in light of your risk tolerance. If you haven't done that, that's one thing. The second thing is just a framework for a financial plan is to think about where you're at today, where you want to get to, what's your legacy going to be, and do that financial planning as well. Mark, let's just talk about in 30 seconds or so, what does that portfolio review look like? Well, for a lot of people, they have investments in a lot of different places, and that's just the way that life you know, kind of evolves. And to take a look at your overlap, to take a look at the mutual funds that you own or the investments that you own, it's a great opportunity to know what you own and what place it has in your financial plan. If you've never done that, it's a great opportunity, and we do it for free. We invite you to visit our website. It is AnnexWealth.com. You can click that Get Started button. That begins the dialogue, AnnexWealth.com. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in a week. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News. The Annex Wealth Management Show is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. 